Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977, or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Amen. Let's go to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1. Um, see how far we can get in this. Uh, I think I received uh, more texts after the message last Sunday than I have in quite a while. And it's amazing, you know, when you can just share out your own life and how many people's right where right where you're at, you know, and, um, and so it, uh, was really good. I don't want to really, uh, recap, uh, last Sunday as much as I want to go into some other things. And, uh, but we prayed last Sunday at the end and I can say that I've had a much, much better week. Catherine's not here today. We went to dinner last night and John Ben wasn't feeling well. And so, um, he kind of threw up some last night, so uh, we decided we didn't want to bless nobody else if he had a stomach bug. But although somebody, if he does, somebody blessed us with it, so we'll just give it around, you know. Freely you receive, freely give in the name of the Lord. Amen. So she's at uh, home with them uh, this morning, and so that's where they're at. So last week, we really talked about um, fear and anxiety. And... Um, so this morning I want to talk really where I jumped in on Wednesday night and really add some more to it. So um, let's go to Nehemiah chapter 1. This morning I want to preach on the subject of uh, restored uh, rulership. And I do want to encourage you, especially if you're an intercessor, catch that program that aired on uh, TBN. It was um, the Liberty Council Center. Uh, Matt, I can't remember his last name. He's a lawyer. Uh, man, they got their hands full right now where we're at and um, continue to pray over the nation and uh, have me knows that the nation needs praying over. And so um, we got half the church want to crucify the church for prophesying. I just can't find in my Bible where uh, Jonah went back and apologized to the whole city because he said, thus saith the word of the Lord. Y'all all right? How many knows that Nineveh wasn't destroyed in 40 days? Was he a false prophet? But Nineveh did come down because the whole book of Nahum has the record of that destruction of that city. How many knows God's force? Man, my task at hand might be tough this morning, but by God's grace and mercy, God's going to help us. And... Um, all right, so let's go to Nehemiah chapter 1. I want to read this whole chapter short. It's only 11 verses. It says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, it came to pass in the month of Chilev that in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came with me, with men from Judah, and asked them concerning the Jews had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me that the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province 
are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which have sinned against you both. My father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinance which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though some of you were cast out to the Father's part of the heavens, yet I will gather you, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place for which I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, I pray, let your ear be attentive to the, power, to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man for I was the king's cupbearer Father we thank you today for the power of your word and Lord I pray today that you would help me articulate what I feel like you're saying to us in this place Father I pray that you would open up the ears of the hearer eyes of the seer and Lord, let us be strengthened and established in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Um, so I'm on a journey here, and I've been trying to read a lot. I actually had uh, Asher come in the door the other day and said, Daddy, UPS just dropped this big box off. And it was a friend of mine who had sent me a, I mean, a whole plethora of books. And um, so I'm trying to read and study. Uh, just at a place uh, this morning, I'm not, I'm just preaching out of my own life where I'm at. And so last Sunday, we, we, uh, we, we really covered the subject of fear and anxiety. And I shared a book that's really uh, helped me out a lot. It was by Lucinda Bassett. It's called uh, uh, From Panic to Power. And it's really good. It goes of the scientific um, uh, things or whatever that happens to your physical body and all of that and it was uh it's just been really great help to me and so I have been a person that probably I would say um I don't know that fear is I guess that to some level we all fear I guess or we all uh struggle with things or whatever and so uh but never to the level that I have beginning in 2021 and so uh of the darkness that had tried to come over my life, and I'd shared uh, some of that, and you can go watch the podcast because I was very honest to, to the best that I could to some degree without without the people losing hope. But some of the people who pray for me that's close to me and in my inner circle knows the battle that I've had uh, starting out really over the last uh, six weeks. It has not been easy, but God has been faithful. And how many knows this? 
that one of my prayer partners, uh, you know, called and said, John, you just got to identify the door. Just find the door. Find where God's trying to do, trying to find where that where that's getting access into your life or find out that something God was trying to, to deal with. And so I shared this with you just to bring, just I'm trying to set up where we're going, is that through dreams, God always speaks to me through dreams. If God's trying to turn me or if God's trying to get, He just comes to me with revelation through dreams. Now sometimes I, I, He speaks to me while I'm reading the Word or I can just simply hear His voice. But a lot of times that He comes to me in dreams. And so one of the things that I knew after looking over my dreams, because I journal my dreams or either I write them out and email them to myself I just got a way that I keep up with it and I really like the electronic stuff because you could just hit search instead of trying to find where you put it at on paper and it'll go right to it but you know one of the things in that process had God had been speaking to me a lot about uh, some generational things that is in our family how many knows that in Nehemiah in this book that some of this uh, captivity is not a result of what they did but what their fathers did and so I can just tell you this, what we're unwilling to kill in our life as parents, you will pass that down to your children and your children will have to fight that beast. Are you with me now? So the sins of the father to the third and fourth generation, but the blessings of God are to a thousand generations. And so there is things that we could be. And, and so one of the things that she talks about, Lucinda Bassett talks about in that book is anxiety uh, it being generational. In other words, your parents dealt with a great amount of anxiety and it come down into your life. But how many knows this? We established last week that fear, the fear is the response you have to something like if someone was to come in here with a gun, someone is to break into your house. How many knows that would be a proper response of fear? But anxiety is different than that. Anxiety is the anticipation of something going wrong. And so Chris Valentin deals with this in his book, Spirit Wars. He talks about a foreboding spirit that had came upon his life. And foreboding just means the anticipation of something bad's going to happen. And so uh, those are just uh, very, very uh, great reads. And so how many knows this, that I use this on Wednesday night because a man from the House of Grace is in here. And I don't know the title of the, of the song, but... Uh, Ken actually sent this to me or, or whatever a couple I think it was last week or whatever you and I were talking and the song by Matthew West and we talked about you know uh, everybody asks how we doing we say we're good and we speak really good Christianese in the church would we all establish that you ask people how they're doing well I'm blessed and highly favored but yet they're driving something held together by Christian bumper stickers you're not blessed and highly favored man y'all gonna make it tough today though it's going to be tough. This is Super Bowl Sunday now. Come on. And so, uh, so uh, we say I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm good, brother. I'm good. Meanwhile, we're struggling in our marriage. We're struggling in our finances and struggling in every area of our life. Very few people that look at you and say that I'm great are really living great. And so we've learned how to, like, we've, we've learned like Jacob how to, put on, how to put on the feathers and how to put on the fur and come to the house of God hoping God will bless us without being honest about where we're truly living. And so when we got home last Sunday, you know that I, I looked at Catherine and I said, you know that, um, let me just say this too, that the Apostle Paul was not referred to as the Apostle Paul in the Bible. He said Paul called to be an Apostle of God. So the first thing he introduced was his humanity, not his apostleship. He wanted the people to know I'm a man just like you're a man. Come on, y'all. Can we just hook up for 20 minutes here? I'll be good. I ain't going to preach long now. Be like Veron Ash. I'll be through my first point in about 45 minutes. But listen. So, so he wanted to introduce us to his humanity. 
And so I think sometimes as ministers of the gospel, we look at people and say, well, man, you know, they're just up here and I'm living down here. I don't know if I could ever make it to that level. But let me just say this. God has anointed them to preach it. He's not giving them something supernatural other than the same grace that you have to live that, okay? Now, I don't believe we should preach anything that we're not living because that's where the power's at. You can, you can, you can give anybody information, but what feeds people is when you break your life apart and you're able to feed people off of your own life. And so the keeper of the flame can only, can only ignite people to the fact that they've kept their own flame. You with me now? And so, so in this, that I begin on my search with God saying, God, okay, what, what is in my life generationally that you're speaking of that I need to cut off or what is in my life that, that I need help with, okay? So how many knows this, that God wants, God wants you living a victorious life? Can we establish that in this room? That God wants you living a victorious life. God does not want you to come in here and receive a shot of uh, just a shot of encouragement for you to return back to another hellish week. He really wants you walking in victory. And let's establish this. We can have victory in health. We can have victory in finance. We can have victory in marriage. In every area of our life, if we'll be honest about where we're at and receive help and strength in that area. Now, let's get into this. I got a ton of notes and I'll just stop where we can. All right, so, so let's just so just to recap somewhere we was at Wednesday night. What happened when Adam fell? When Adam was in the garden, God created man in His own image. He said it was good. So what happened when Adam fell in the garden? Most people says, well, Adam lost his relationship with the Lord. So when Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost, most of the church only preached that man was lost and that Jesus came to the earth just to seek mankind to restore our relationship with God. Let me say that. That that is one of the targets of the cross, but that's not the whole complete picture of what Jesus came for because there was a whole lot more lost in that garden experience than just relationship with God. Man also lost rulership. So God, for us to become whole in the kingdom, God must first restore relationship, then He will restore rulership back to us. And I'm not talking about running around just ruling the earth, although that is an aspect of that. I'm talking about ruling in your identity, ruling in your health, and every area of your life. That This is restored rulership. So in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah's book is not about a restored relationship as it is as much about restoring rulership. Because in the book of Ezra is where these is where these Jews that are in Babylonian captivity for 70 years, they go back and they rebuild this temple. Zechariah helps to prophesy this. Um, um, it was led by Zerubbabel. Then Haggai goes in and prophesies this. Those are the two prophets that deal with the restoring of the temple. And so when we see this, they restore the temple. This is a picture of salvation. How many knows when you get saved, God comes to live inside of you? But let me just say this. God's living in a bunch of haunted houses. Oh, my God. Huh? He's living in a bunch of haunted houses. Are you with me now? So the Lord at salvation is a picture of the book of Ezra where he comes into the temple to take residence. This is salvation. My spirit is regenerated at this point. But how many knows this, that Nehemiah's weeping over the condition of their walls? Isaiah said that your walls shall be called salvation and your gates shall be praised. In the book of Nehemiah, the walls of Jerusalem were, uh, were actually rubble and the gates had been burned with fire. There was hardly nothing left. 
So you can have a perfectly reborn spirit and the enemy wreak havoc in your life because you have no walls or gates been restored back to your life. So this is a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit rebuilding the person that God created before the foundations of the world. You all right? Now, restored rulership means a recovery of self-control. How many knows that's the fruit of the Spirit? And if, if you want to know how much good, how strong you are at self-control, just we'll look at your waistline. That'll give you an answer. Selah. Restored rulership means the recovery of self-control and personal identity and a stabilized temperament and character. It is a picture. Look at this in Romans 5, 17. I can say that about the waistline because I need help. You with me? Look at, listen to Romans 5.17. Death once held us in its grip. And by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus Messiah? All right. Grace in action results in a life that has been restored to its original purpose. So I'm preaching about restored rulership here that God wants us to reign body, soul, and spirit. Now one of the things yesterday, Catherine and I, we just went on a walk and we was listening to Elisa Keaton and I told Catherine, I said, I've been studying sanctification. How many knows we used to hear sanctification in the old church? And we used to say it like this, I was saved, sanctified, like that was a one day thing, like we got sanctified in one day. And then filled with the Spirit like that was another one-time experience. How many knows this? If you only got filled with the Spirit in 1985, you need to be doused again. If you were only sanctified in 1984, you probably need a little more work. Sanctifi regener regeneration is momentarily. Sanctification is ongoing. Are you with me? Regeneration is new birth, but sanctification is growth. And, and we're never going to possess the kingdom. We're never going to possess the kingdom if we remain infants in Christ. So if we're going to go from infants, from infants to what Ephesians call the full stature of the measure of Christ, how many knows we're going to have to walk through some painful things called sanctification? And sanctification and becoming whole is not easy because most people can't be honest about where they're at in life. So I had this leader to come by my office. He knows some people that I know, and he had felt led that he should come and meet with me. And so he wanted to know my story. I didn't tell him anything what was going on in my personal life because I'm just meeting this guy. I'm just simply sharing my story. And as we begin to talk, the Spirit of the Lord really come in the room. And then when I begin to hear his story, I knew that uh, God had brought him by. He shared with me when he was, he was five years into his first pastorate, that he was medicated on two anxiety medications to the max degree. And so then he was, he had this friend who had went through this ministry like Sozo. I, I'm, I know the name of the ministry, but I'm, I'm not going to call it. So he goes through, the, uh, through, through this ministry, and on day two, he began to hear teaching that he had never heard in his circle of people. He was, he was, he was uh, pastoring in a denominational church. 
And he said he had never heard the voice of God. Think about this. He's pastoring the church, been pastoring for five years. He said he had never heard the voice of God speak to him. And he said the next morning he got up to deal with the usual pressures of life and the anxiety of life. He had a concoction that would medicate him and, 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 and to go, go through the process of today. And he heard the Lord say, don't take this. Now listen here, don't get me where I'm not going. Uh, some people say, well, we shouldn't take medication. If you take medication for your blood pressure, don't knock no medication. Come on now. I'm not knocking medication, but I am telling you this. I don't believe it is the will of God for us to have to make it in this life on crutches and walkers. Now, now I mean, did he either pay for a life of freedom or he did not? Now, here's what I'm saying is, and there's nothing wrong with that. Chris Ballatin is very honest in his book, Spirit Wars. And then if you read uh, Brian Johnson's book, When God Becomes Real, he's very honest about his life of how he had to be medicated. Not only was he medicating on, on Valium and other drugs, on other medications, he was medicating himself with alcohol. And this is, this is Bill Johnson's own son. Come on, somebody. And so... Um, so he's very honest about that. So this guy to begin to be honest about where he was living at. And I'm thinking, God, there's no doubt you brought this man by my office. So then I just said, let me just, I, this is a man I just met. But I knew some people who knew him and told me the integrity that he has and the character he has. So I felt really comfortable. So what did I do? I just got my, I just took my jacket off and told him right where I was living at. He said, Pastor John, he said, that's an absolute lie that is trying to infiltrate your system. Now, let me just say this. When we think of deliverance, we immediately go to people coming down here. And I have seen that and I have dealt with that. I have cast out demons. It ain't something that I prefer to do. But, I mean, when they manifest, you got to take care of it. Are you with me now? So we think of deliverance as dragging somebody down here to alter them, throwing up in a trash can or herking and jerking. I mean, all kind of stuff. We think of poltergeist or something. You know what I'm saying? Or, or whatever with that scary movie where the priest went in there and the demon got him or whatever. But anyhow. Let me just say this, deliverance is simply you knowing the truth, embracing the truth, and expel the lie out of your system. Are you with me now? So here's the thing. Listen to this. The enemy is the father of lies. He suggests lies. And when you come in agreement with that lie, you empower that lie. And you empower him. Once he's empowered, he will devour. Now, so it says this, because of what? Grace, because of grace, grace in action is a life that has been restored to its original purpose. By one man, Adam fell and death reigned in this. What man lost his relationship and rulership? But by one man, what? Rulership and relationships being restored back to its fullest intent through grace. Grace is not just unmerited favor. It is the enablement or the power of God at work in our life. Now look at this verse of Scripture in 1 Peter 5.10. First Peter 5.10 And then after your brief suffering Listen to this What I've found in 20 plus years of ministry Being a senior pastor For 12 plus For 16 years I've been a senior pastor People don't cry out when they begin to sink People usually show up in the office when they're about ready to file chapter 13, 11, whatever, or when, 
the man don't cry for help until she's done packed his bags and put him out. Come on, y'all. Or bad, so, so how many knows this, that pain in any area of our life is a result of something out of order? Pain in finances means something's out of order. Pain in marriage means something's out of order. Pain in health in the body means something's out of order. My arm was not designed to be twisted up behind my neck. You do that, it's going to create what pain? It's, it's meant to be in front of the body. Are you with me now? So look what he says. After you suffered, a- after you've uh, suffered, God help me here find this in this. And, and after, you, after your brief suffering, the God of all loving what? Grace. Here's the enablement power again who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will set you firmly in place and build you up. Now notice this, that the the New King James says this verse, it talks about being established. Uh, It talks about being established, strengthen and settle you. So this book of Nehemiah, if you look at it, it is not about necessarily the restoring of the relationship, but the restoring of rulership back into your life. All right. With a restored temple, they had a life with God, but they had no evidence of it affecting the daily details of life. How many Christians live this way? They have, they have evidence of a, they have a knowing of God and they claim to have a relationship with God, but there is no evidence of this ruling in their daily lives. Even though their temple was restored, the rest of the city, their walls lied surrounding it were nothing but rubble. Now, look at what he said. In Nehemiah 2.17, I talked about this last week, but I saw this in a whole new picture of, of reading this book. Notice what he says. He says, he says, you see how bad it is. So let me just say this. A lot of times, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but one of the things, the reason what prevents people to come into wholeness, number one is a lack of vulnerability. People don't want to be vulnerable. You know what vulnerability is? The ability to tell your whole story. We just want to show our, show our strengths. It's kind of like Jason Upton, that song. You know what I'm saying? You always show your best side. But evil's always on the other side. And it's the other side that is killing us. And the only way we can do that is bring that into the light. So let me just tell you this. Last Sunday, I get home, and the first thought that came to my mind is this. Is, man... Not only the few people that was in the room, but the people that were watching, what are they going to think about me as a leader when I told them exactly where I was living at? I had that thought a little bit. And then Catherine, she and I were talking. I said, but let me tell you what just happened. I just drugged that demon that I'd been dealing with into the city square and put light on him. I'm trying to help us here. Anything that you're willing to drag into the light will be defeated once you cut the light on. We didn't come in this room. When Mac got here this morning at 8 o'clock or a little bit before 8, he didn't come in here and pray in tongues for 15 minutes asking the darkness to leave this room. He simply flipped the power switch, cut the light on, and the light overpowered the darkness. Now, the church has ate up with this lie that the devil is big and God is little. We need to reverse that, friend. God is large and the devil is small. He's already been defeated. There is no struggle with that happening. When Jesus released those... Uh, when he released those disciples, when they started walking in the authority, what did he say? I beheld Satan like lightning fall from heaven. Just when they come in the realization of their authority. All right. So in this, in 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 Nehemiah 2.17, he says, God, he, he's praying. He said, you see the distress we in. You see how jacked up things are. 
I mean, she's gone. I'm, I'm, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I got this addiction. It's out of control. I mean, you see how bad it is. I mean, you see how overweight I'm at. I don't know that I can ever get this health in order. You see how bad it is. But notice what he said. Come, come, let us. How many knows the Bible says in Isaiah, God says, come, let us reason together. God is not, the problem we're struggling is because we're trying to fix it on our own strength. It is a picture of the Holy Spirit saying, come, I want to help you get in this area of our life. It is not about trying to fix it, but as much as surrendering unto his power and allowing him to work through us. All right? So the Holy Spirit wants to bring, listen to this, the Holy Spirit wants to bring the whole life of Jesus Christ into the whole of our personality so the whole love of God can be released to the whole world. Let me say that again. This is good. The Holy Spirit wants to bring the whole life of Jesus Christ into the whole of our personality so that the love of God can be relayed to the whole world. What does this look like? Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Here we're fixing to see again of the triune being of man. I had a guy one night to come to me after, um, after preaching on a Wednesday night. He was a House of Grace resident. And this is what he told me. He said, Pastor, he said, can you pray that God will, uh, that, that the Lord will cleanse my spirit? Am I, am I, and I told him, I said, are you, I asked him a question. Are you, are you born again? And he said, yeah. I said, well, your spirit is clean as it's ever going to get. I said, your spirit is clean. Now what you need is your soul washed. It's like living in the house with termites. Your body don't have the termites, but your house does. If you don't fix the termites and get them exterminated, you're going to be homeless. So the enemy's working through the soul. I, man, I'm telling you. Look at this. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and your whole spirit, look at this, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blamelessly at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So salvation in the Greek means sozo. It means the deliverance from torment, the forgiveness of sin, and the healing of our body. So when we hear God say, be ye holy as I am holy, as I heard that in the church coming up, I didn't think I could ever be holy. That is not, God is not saying, I want you to be in conduct just like me. God is not saying, I want you to be, when he the word holy simply means health and wholeness. God says, I want you completely whole just as I'm whole. God is not worried what the Holy Spirit's doing here on the earth. There ain't no envy between them. There's no jealousy in there because they're completely one. He's whole. Are you with me now? So look at this. He's saying, I pray the God of peace will sanctify you, body, soul, and spirit. That word peace there, it means, it means a unity of fragments and separated parts being brought together. This is a picture of the work of Nehemiah where he took the broken walls of that city and began to bring them back into unity one by one to restore rulership around that city. Now, I pray the God of peace. Now, what is the God of peace doing? He's taking the broken areas of your life and my life and bringing unity to that rubble so that rulership can be restored back to my life. Now, look at 1 Peter. You all right? I'm tracking fast. 
First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest, hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace, what the enablement that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. What is God telling me? He wants me completely whole. Where is thoughts of God's not going to come through for me? Anxiety about finances or whatever we worry about. You know what I'm saying? Um, I am thankful unto the Lord that it used to be one of my main struggles, but I've slowly but surely become in rulership in that area because I've just seen God do amazing things, man. Have you not seen God do amazing things? How many knows that the testimony that God gives you, you, if God ever breaks through for you one time, you don't have to keep praying about that. You've got breakthrough in that area. Are you with me now? I mean, that's just like if I had to, if I had to go somewhere and I believe God's going to heal, the first thing I'm going to call out is backs because I've seen God heal so many backs. I got pictures on my phone of a, of a spine that looks like a C that was straightened out completely straight five days later. I got faith that God can heal bones and things like that. I got faith that God can heal backs. I've seen him do it over and over. I don't have to pray for breakthrough to come in that area. Breakthrough has already come. Are you with me now? It's the same thing. If God ever opens the door for you supernaturally, financially, you don't have to keep praying for that. You have access into that area of your life. And I might change it up right here just a little bit. And um, so... So the word holy means health, wholeness. Listen to this. Because our Father is holy, we can be assured already that we are in route or in route to holiness. Because your Father's whole, you can be assured that you're in your route to holiness. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I love the testimonies of people like Todd White, who was a heroin addict, meets Jesus, and boom, I mean, instantaneously things that took place in his life. How many knows this? That everybody's not that picture. I don't know about you, but when I got saved and born again, there was no doubt that I had an encounter with the Lord. But I still had some real jacked up areas in my life that were not instantaneously dealt with. Now, the problem is, is we don't want to be a Christian for 20 years still dealing with the things we did in our first year. But if you are, there's hope. Are you with me now? You hear God prodding you this morning to grow up. To, to bring growth. All right? So if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now let me just read this right here because I wrote this right here. Now some things are instantaneous. For others, this is an entry point to everything new. So that some in reality, my spirit was regenerated. That is the truth. So some that came to the altar and got completely got, got saved was completely delivered. How many know? Well, I smoked for 15 years, went to the altar and prayed one, one prayer, and got up and never craved another cigarette. That don't happen for everybody. <laughs> Let's, I'm gonna dig back into my life right here. When I was 18 years old and I got born again. 
One, one of the things that was a go-to for me every day was I had a can of Kodiak Wintergreen that stayed on that dresser. Hear me? Some nights I'd fall asleep with it in my, in, in my mouth. That's, that's, that's hard to believe, but I have done that. You know what I'm saying? So here's the thing. When I got saved, the next morning I got up, what do you think my body wanted? Huh? Well, I thought I just got, I thought all things just become new. Why did I have a craving for that? But as I, as I progressed in the Lord and began to pray about that thing, listen here, what happened is the craving stopped. Now, let me just say this. That, how many knows this? If you read the epistle of John, it says, if any, man sins, if any man sins, he's not of God, he's of the devil. How many knows that's in the Word? I can pull it out. It's in the epistle of John, 1 John, where he's writing. He said, if any man sin, he, he, let him, he, this is not of God, for he's of the devil. Now, how many of you have sinned? I want to ask you something. Are you of God or of the devil? Now, according to what you just read, if any man sin, he is not of God, he is of the devil. Now, am I of the devil? So this was a war going on when I was a young believer. Am I of God or am I of the devil? I mean, how can I ever get free if I'm still of the devil? Because that's a poor translation of that scripture. It says, if any man is of God, he will not continue on in the path of sin. Other words, what God is saying is, I will change your desire. Now, once you're born again, you are not a card-toting sinner anymore. Before I was born again, I sinned, didn't think nothing about it. If I cussed you out, I felt justified because I cussed you out. Man, y'all ain't going to help nothing up in here this morning. You with me? If, 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 if I got mad, if you did something to me and I retaliated, cussed you out or hit you in the mouth, I felt justified by that. But how many knows when you are a believer, God will bring conviction to that in your life? Because God's standard, he's in another kingdom, an upside-down kingdom, and he says if a man smites you on the cheek, turn your other cheek also. He brings conviction of that. So it doesn't mean that if a man is in Christ or if a man's in God that he has, no, he has not the ability of sin. We all have the ability of sin because he gave us a free will. And he already established that. He said, little children, I write these things unto you so that you do not sin. But if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. That word advocate means a lawyer. We got the best lawyer that has ever graced the planet. Come on, somebody. And he's already redeemed us, justified. That's why the book of Romans mentions justification over and over. What is justification? Just as if you never did it. All right. But the goal is not to get away with things. The goal is to go into maturity. Because if you don't deal with it, your children's going to deal with it. If you don't deal with that. Oh, man. Uh, so listen to this. Nehemiah, I, I, in one of, the, one of the older Bibles I got in there, I remember in my early 20s underlying this word. Look at his prayer in Nehemiah 1.11. He says, Father, I pray, listen to your servant. Now, how many knows Nehemiah's name is, a, is his name means comforter. He is a picture of the Holy Spirit. He said, Lord, hear my prayer. Then notice what he says. He says, God, hear the prayer of your servants who desire to do your will. How many's ever been at this place? I'm struggling, but I got a desire to be whole. I, I wrote this down right here. Listen to this. Let me get back to this. I wrote this down. One of the things that hinders sanctification, now let me just say this right here. Lord, please let your, your ear be attentive to your servant and to your servant whose desire to fear your name. God is not, listen to this, God is not concerned with our per perfection as much as he is with our direction. 
The praying heart that is set on obedience may not be immediately perfect in, in, in his intentions, but God is set to rep- respond according to our heart set. So the important thing is not what you do, but why you do. How many knows this, that all addiction is medicating another issue in your life? The alcohol medicates a, a, a something in your life. The, the, the pain pill medicates something going on in your life. The porn deal at night is, is medicating something else going on in your life. God does not want to sit here and deal with the spray roundup on the leaves. He's trying to get to the root issue of going on in, in, in your heart. All right. One of the things that hinders sanctification process is condemnation, which is always includes guilt, is guilt, the feeling of unworthiness, and fall and feeling I will never measure up. You don't understand, Pastor. I've been jacked up for a long time. I've been jacked up for a long time. But God le- does not leave us without hope. Come on now. I, just go back to exercise. When I started exercising, I, I mean, I, I, I'm just going to be honest about where I was at. I don't care what you think. I ain't there now. You know what I'm saying? Come grab hold of me and I'll show you. But here's the thing. I had to do push-ups, girl style, beside the diving board. And so I didn't want to do push-ups in front of Catherine. I couldn't believe I'd gotten that way. Now I grabbed the, I grabbed the diving board with closed hands with Asher laying on my back and doing You got to start somewhere. You just got to start somewhere. But I, but I started. Listen, you may not be able to get out and run a marathon. I mean, I don't want to go enter in a 5K now unless there's a stretcher at the other end, you know what I'm saying, and the ambulance on by, you know what I'm saying? But here's the thing, you've got to start somewhere. But if you start somewhere and ask the Holy Spirit to help you, He will help you get in charge of your health. I think that one of the things that the Pentecostal church, we've made a terrible mistake on this, that we've told everybody, get your spirit as strong as you can. Don't worry about your body because God hates the flesh. The Bible never says God hates our flesh. It says he who loves himself cherishes his own flesh. I don't care how strong you are in the spirit. If your flesh is weak, it will destroy you. All right? And we never taught about the triune being a man. We just told the young preacher, to get out there and get gone with vision. Just run with your vision. We didn't teach him nothing else. That's why out of the stack of 75 in there, there's not even five that finished the race because we did not teach the whole thing. We never taught on marriage until somebody had an affair. That's the only time we taught on. I remember the series that come out, Rated R for Real, on marriage. And we never was taught that, the importance of marriage, until somebody fell. But let me just say this. To the minister that is completely whole, his podcast is not the greatest thing he has. The greatest thing that prophesies of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the relationship he has with him and his wife. It's a different perspective. All right, listen to this. So when I got saved, I'm almost done here. When I got saved, my spirit was regenerated. Regeneration is birth, but sanctification is growth. In regeneration, God implants the desire that was not there before. Desire for God, desire for holiness, worship and prayer. So I came here to church because somebody invited me. I'm just a good old country boy. The only desire I have is to hunt and fish. But if I got saved in that service, the Bible says I was brought out of death into life instantaneously. And my spirit was regenerated. Now what happened? 
when my spirit became regenerated, I have a new desire. Now when I get in the truck, I don't desire to listen to Kenny Chesney. Somebody told me about Rick Pino. When I first got saved, all I knew was Southern Gospel because that's what my mom did. I remember when I got a Point of Grace CD. Man, I was riding through town at 18 with Point of Grace. Y'all ain't old enough to know all that. Huh? How many remember some Point of Grace? Huh? And then I was taken to Waycross by my uncle to the all-night Southern Gospel scene. They used to have that in Waycross in the stadium, all-night Southern Gospel scene. This is the first time I ever seen God use me in the spirit and the power of Elijah. A rainstorm was getting close, and I could see it off in the distance. And I started interceding and moved it right over the stadium, and we had to go home. But what happens is when you get saved, the desire automatically changes inside of you. You didn't have to do nothing about that. Now, let me just say this. Regeneration... Regeneration is solely the work of God. You didn't have nothing to do in it. Now, when we talk about holiness becoming into wholeness, which there's ministries out there that teach this. Bethel does this with Sozo. Revelation Wellness does this. Uh, there's a ministry, a very powerful ministry in Jacksonville, Florida, um, uh, Francis, Francis McNutt and, and um, them. Uh, I mean, they got a very powerful ministry on that, and they train people on how to pray. They don't, their people are not just to go up there to lay hands on you and just, you know, Lord, we just bless thee today. They're trained how to ask questions to get down inside of the real you, to bring the deliverance where we're at. All right. So, <clears throat> listen to this. The truth is, in our holiness, because of regeneration, the truth is, is our holiness has been secured before God by the virtue of our position in Jesus Christ. Let me read this again. This is good. Because see, if the enemy, one thing that he's going to get you with is when you struggle in whatever area it is that you are struggling in, he will try to get you and say that you are not right with God because if you were saved, you would not deal with that issue. That's a lie. That issue is not in your spirit. It's in your soul that has not been sanctified yet. Y'all right? So positionally, regeneration secures me before God by virtue of my position in Jesus. When we received Jesus Christ as our Savior, we were made positionally holy. Jesus' sinless record was credited to my account and to your account, and we are declared entirely not guilty of any sin. Y'all, this is good news. We're, we're declared entirely not guilty of any sin because of the flawless record of Jesus Christ is superimposed over my failures. That is very good news. Let me, I'm going to read this again. The truth is your holiness, your wholeness has been secured before God by virtue of our position in Jesus Christ. You know what that means? Just as a believer, if you are born again, you have been placed in the river of God, and if you never row the boat, you will end up at the throne of God because the river is constantly pulling you to his heart and to his throne and to his face. You, you have to turn the motor on or row the opposite direction for this not to happen. So positionally, when I'm, I'm positionally placed in Christ already in complete wholeness. Now, it may not be manifested in my life yet, but positionally, I'm already there. Positionally, we're not trying to get to heaven. Positionally, we were already there. 
All right. Jesus' sinless record was credited to my account and your account. We're declared entirely not guilty for any sin because of the flawless record of Jesus Christ is superimposed over my failures. Now, regeneration is momentarily the act of bringing a person from spiritual death to life in Christ. It is exclusively God's work. In sanctification, here's where sanctification comes. The Holy Spirit works in us to do the will. Now, here's a shift. In regeneration, you have desire. In sanctification, you have the will. In, gen- in, in sanctification, you have self-control. You know what self-control is? You can tell yourself what to do and you can do it. That means you can be at a house and there's a 16-layer chocolate cake and you never touch the cake. Oh, my God. The devil is a lie. Come on now. huh? You can tell yourself not to touch it. So I said, well, I'm not there. Huh? Charles Stanley, I remember watching him one day, and he said this. He said, how many people in here believe you can go one day without sinning? Nobody raised their hand. He said, how many people in here believe you can go half a day without sinning? Nobody raised their hand. He said, how many people believe you can go one hour without raising your hand? A few people raised their hand. He said, my God, I need to quit the ministry. Because let me tell you this. It's a lie to believe Let me show you this. Jesus said he leaves the 99 to go after the one. And he's got the heaven rejoices over the one that repents over the 99 who need no repentance. So in the church of Jesus, there should be a whole lot more holiness than what we're seeing. All right. So self-control. Self-control means you can tell yourself what to do and you do it. You can tell yourself, I need to walk three miles today. And you can get out there and do it. You can tell yourself that, hey, I'm going to fast sugar for the next 21 days. You don't believe some of these things. I'm not just going to get on the health issue, but I can go that way. But you don't believe what caffeine, just get off of all caffeine. Tell me how you feel tomorrow about 1 o'clock. Starting right now and call me tomorrow about 1 o'clock. After two days of having no coffee, you're going to have, it feels like, I mean, somebody's beating a bass drum on the top of your head. Are you with me now? Which, what does caffeine, what does caffeine help attribute to? Diabetes. All kind of things going on in our lives. But yet we want to run around with these diseases and keep eating cake and piling on the sugar and the processed foods and say, oh God, would you heal me? When God gave us instructions in his word how to eat and how to come into wholeness. All right, I'm, I'm off of this now. I'm fishing to go eat some fried chicken with you because positionally I'm held in with him. Come on. Regeneration is a momentary act bringing a person from spiritual life I mean, death to life in Christ. It is exclusively God's work. In sanctification, the Holy Spirit works to us to the will and to work according to God's purposes, enabling us to fulfill our new godly desires. Sanctification is the process of Romans 8.29. What does Romans 8.29 say? Let's look at it. I'm almost done right here. I'm closing. I'm going to tell you. Romans 8.29. I, I just want to go back on this because I remember my grandfather. He's, he's a bad diabetic. He had to take shots. And I remember Thanksgiving, he cut half the cake like that. He'd eat half the cake. He'd be in there. But he died at 64. How many believe that was the will of God? God told Noah that the number of man was 120 years. 
If we ever going to see people live in 120 years, and we'll see people living longer now than at any time in history. People that are in their 60s are going back to school to get their second degree because they done got their children raised and through school and got everything they need. Now they're going to put their grandchildren through school on a second. The whole deal. 120 years. But if we're going to see 100 years, how many knows we better learn right quick like how to, how to, how to eat? I remember raising up in the South. I'm just getting on this a minute to show you how you can change. That I used to love sweet tea. Oh, my God, especially in the summertime. We would go somewhere to sit down, and you don't, I don't swallow three. I mean, swallowed. That's the word in the South. You know what I'm saying? I was at a table one time eating, and I said, that we had to roll the window down. And they just started laughing. I said, y'all ain't got no window? No, we have a window. But a swallow I just, just hit three glasses of sweet tea just before you turn around. Then you're going you're gonna to drink another two glasses with your meal. So I just, this was, this was probably close to three years ago. I just said, you know what? I'm going to quit drinking sweet tea. Start drinking unsweet. Man, start drinking unsweet. You know, because the Robinson, how many watched Duck Dynasty? Uh, Sai always running around with that whole gallon of tea. That's not sweet tea he's drinking. It's unsweet. And so I started drinking, and I was like, oh, man. Grant say, you know what I'm saying, Grant? How are you drinking that sweet tea? Because when he was little, the right time the waitress come to the table, he said, we want wheat tea. But now, if I grab a glass of sweet tea and drink it, I will spit it out because it's like drinking cane syrup. You don't realize how much sugar that you're inhaling just by drinking a glass of sweet tea, which is wreaking havoc on your body, which is putting inflammation in your joints. Come on, y'all. We don't want to hear no preach. Let's see, we want that, you know, just preach to it good. Tickle the ears when we go home. We don't want to, to deal with no unforgiveness, no wounds of the past. Because we quote, the sticks and stones may hurt my bones. Words will never hurt you. Those words are killing you. All right, you ready? All right. In sanctification, it's the Holy Spirit works in us. It's Romans 8.29. Let's read Romans 8.29. Man, we just missed the buffet, y'all. <laughs> Paul said he buffeted his body. All right, ready? For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Listen to this. For we know all about us before... Before He knew all about us before we were born. And he destined us from the beginning to share in the likeness of his son. This is the work of sanctification. It conforms us to the image. It conforms us to the image. If we allow the Holy Spirit to deal with the rubble and the burn gates of our lives, the end result is being conformed to the image of his son. Body, soul, and spirit. We quote it like that, and I actually quoted it wrong because the identity and proper order is spirit, soul, and body. You have a spirit with a soul, and you're enclosed in a body. That is your true identity. God doesn't work body, soul, and then spirit. He works from the inside out. For the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation of men's eyes, but for the kingdom of God is within you. The seed is inside of you, and the seed will grow if it's watered. All right. Sanctification is an ongoing process as we partner with the Holy Spirit to bring, bring us into wholeness. Look at this verse of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 7. I'm done. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 
one. Second Corinthians seven, verse one, beloved ones with promises like these and because of our deepest respect and worship of God, we must remove everything from our lives that contaminates body and spirit and continue to complete the development of holiness within us. I don't do all that. Well, here's the choice we have this morning. We can have restored rulership back to our lives or we can just do whatever. We can remain infants. But God is going to have a people, I'm telling you, that are strong in the days ahead. And God wants growth to come upon His body. And how we have growth upon our body is by this one-term sanctification that we used to hear in the old church. And we become sanctified by partnering with the Holy Spirit and asking Him, God, show me areas that I'm at. This may mean that you have to call a counselor. This may mean that you need to bring some people into your life. Now, don't bring people into if 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 you're trying to overcome smoking, don't bring three smokers in your life to hold you accountable. Find somebody that's built it, beat it. You know what I'm saying? If you broke, don't get counsel for somebody that got a bunch of debt in their life. Find someone that pays cash for this stuff. You with me now? To teach you finances. Because if you owe the banker two million dollars and I'm indebted to banks, I don't need you to help counsel me finances. And if we and, and here's the thing, the answer is not making more money. More money just creates a bigger shovel for us to dig a, a bigger hole with. Fix the areas that we're at, okay? So, Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for your heart for us to restore rulership. I thank you that Nehemiah, when he heard the condition, he was weeping over the condition of that place. And God, his heart's desire was burning to restore the rubble and the gates around that place. Father, I pray you told that David said, search me, O God. He said, search me and see. Father, I pray the areas in my life that are broken, Lord, the areas in my life and my soul that have been jacked up through wombs of the past, through unforgiveness, and all of these things. Let me close on this, because this is where, uh, where we were at on Thursday. We were talking about unforgiveness. One of the things that you got to understand, when we harbor unforgiveness, you actually hold, un, you actually hold forgiveness coming to you. And one of the things we got to understand, this is in the New Testament, this is Jesus speaking, and this is Him talking in Matthew 18. He said when we hold unforgiveness into our life, the tormentors will be released to us. Am I in the book, y'all? The tormentors will come. So I'll go back to this, what I've seen in my own life. I remember going to, to a place to cast a demon out, which I'm not a demon hunter, and this person called me. I said, this is unlikely to be a demon, but when I got there, there was no doubt this woman was fully possessed by the devil. And so we get there and we lay hands on this woman and she gets set free. I know by I know by the spirit that two demons, I don't know what they were, came out of her, came out of her physical body and left her. But we could not get her, we could not get her free any further. So I remember praying and praying and, and it, it wouldn't listen. I quoted the King James. I went to Malachi, to Revelation. I went into New NIV, quoted the ESV. Nothing wasn't happening. We could not get her free. And so I prayed. Through my, through my reading and study, one of the things that Chris Valentin has taught me about being oppressed of the enemy is Jesus in his inaugural address in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, where he quotes Isaiah 61, he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because God has anointed me to set 
to pri- uh, open the prison doors to those that are in prison to set at liberty the captives. There's two different p- categories there. There's a captive and a prisoner. A prisoner is someone who has been sentenced to prison and you've and you got to have the judge's order for them to be released, right? Or they must be pardoned by somebody, right? But a captive is a, is a prisoner of war. He's just someone taken down. So how do you become captive is you embrace a lie. And so you have to have a truth to, to denounce that lie to get you out free of that captivity. But a prisoner is who broke the law and he's been sentenced to prison. And so when I prayed, the Spirit of the Lord spoke back to me right now and He said, you tell her I can't help her because she's a prisoner. She's got unforgiveness. Did you hear what I just I said the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. The Holy Spirit said, tell her I cannot help her because she's harboring unforgiveness. If you choose not to forgive, you yourself shall not be forgiven. Now, when you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean you're going to be best bros. And it doesn't mean we got to share meals together and hang out. But it's simply of a releasing them of the punishment that they think they deserve. So when I asked this lady, I said, do you got anybody you need to forgive? No. Well, I knew she was lying because I just heard God tell me. You know what I'm saying? If I hear it in my spirit, I don't care what's coming out of the person's mouth. The most demonized person I've ever seen but in, in America, not overseas, but in America, was probably about a 17-year-old kid. And he levitated and slithered like a snake almost 10 feet. I've seen that. I remember John Paul Jackson sharing stories about, about Burning Man. There were witches there that could levitate 8 feet in front of him. I ain't talking about no Chris Angel, no illusion stuff. I'm talking about witches levitating eight feet. How many knows you see somebody come off the ground like that? <laughs> and this kid here, I was preaching in this church, and the elders were there at the church. And I'm telling you, no joke, you can call Catherine if you think I'm telling you a story. The elders walked out the side door of the church and left when they saw it. I hit him with a strong, the key word, study Bible. And it's about that thick if you know what a keyword study Bible is. King James Version, I hit him with it. So I told this girl that we couldn't get, we, we couldn't help her. And that the Holy Spirit said he could not help. I ain't, I ain't got nobody to forgive. I asked her again. Because then, by the help of God's grace, he spoke to me again and told me it was her husband. When I mentioned her husband, she started cursing. And I'm talking about unbelievable what was coming out of her mouth. And then I said, listen here. If you forgive him, doesn't mean you got it. Don't don't mean nothing. You just releasing him of the punishment you think you deserve. She finally said this. She said, "I will choose by faith to forgive." And when she said that, the power of God hit her like a lightning bolt. And I'm telling you right now, I'm t- this is the this is one of the truest transformations I've ever seen. Twenty minutes after we prayed for this lady, she looked like she was ten years younger because she got totally depressed. I mean, totally free from all of that in her life. What, what, what held that bondage there is her holding on to forgive, unforgiveness. Now let me just go back. Y'all, I'm just trying. I've got to be done right here. But listen to this. If you go back and study the healing rooms that John G. Lake pioneered in the early 1900s, if you were not healed in that prayer line, if you were not healed in that prayer line, you were taken to the side room. And you were taught on things what I'm trying to teach you this morning. Because there is roadblocks to healing. And unforgiveness is a major roadblock to healing. We got to be honest with this room now. You know what I'm saying? The power of God is present to do whatever we need in this room this morning. He's here. But there's things in our lives that we are harboring that are that are that that are are hindering that flow of the spirit of God into our life. Are you with me now? If we got jacked up areas of the soul, 
it is hindering the flow of the Lord in our lives. Are you with me? So here's what I'm just saying. That God is in the business of not condemning us, but convicting us, bringing us hope that we will walk in deliverance. Are you with me? That's freedom from anything is available. To know the truth, the truth shall make you free. It's a lie that says you cannot be free. So Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for the five people that are looking for this. In the name of the Lord. Y'all got hope? <laughs> I mean, we can, we can, here's, here's where I'm at in my life. I'm, I'm just tired of the fakeism in the church. I'm tired of it, man. I've seen enough veneered believers that if I never see another one, it'll be good. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of people that claim they have something but don't have nothing. And they come to church Sunday after Sunday and they live the same way and they never change. God is in the business of growing up a people. Are you listening to me now? In the walk in the freedom that He has. So, Father, I thank you for your great love for us. Listen to the cry of the Holy Spirit again. Come, let us. Let us rebuild this stuff. Let us restore the rulership back into the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your power at work in our lives. I pray great blessings over these people today. Father, I pray that they would enjoy their families as they leave here and they go eat and they go out to lunch, God. I pray tonight as they watch the Super Bowl, let them have fun. Those that are watching, those that don't, just let them enjoy their family time. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you. God bless you all. We'll see you here on Wednesday night. Uh, not Wednesday night, but next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week. Amen.